0: Our first scripture reading this morning is from the first chapter of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, beginning on page 155 in the New Testament of your Pew Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 10 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I, pay, that I baptized none of you except, except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. From the Gospel
1: according to Matthew, continuing in the fourth chapter. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Neftali so that when what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled land of Zebulun land of Neftali on the roads by the sea across the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death light has dawned from that time Jesus began to proclaim Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishers. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with her father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news, the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the gospel of the Lord. Join your hearts in prayer with me, please. Silence in our hearts every voice that is not your own. In the busyness of our days, in the din of the world around us, help us to hear your voice. For you have the words of eternal life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. If American religion was traded on the stock market, your broker would be begging with you to sell. In fact, your broker would probably have been giving you sell recommendations for some time. Now, the reasons are various and have changed over the past few decades. Forty or fifty years ago, people who didn't go into church we're in an opt out market almost everyone had some relationship with an institutional religious preference and you were kind of born into that and if you weren't going to partake of a religious fellowship you made a choice away from it you opted out we had a term for those people we called them unbelievers Even the term itself had a direction to it. You couldn't unbelieve if you hadn't believed in the first place. Why don't you go to church was a question that had some sense because people had a context as to how to answer that question. I don't go to church because. Now, decades later, if you ask someone, why they don't go to church, more likely than not, their response will be something along the lines of, what's church? Who cares? We're not dealing in a world that is in the process of becoming unbelieving. We are bathed in a world that already disbelieves. They don't have it to begin with, and inspiring it is a long way from things to do today. So, while many disbelievers do not disdain religion, it's not that they're anti-religion, it's not that they're against faith, it's just that it's something that never occurred to them. Again, if religion were a stock, let me suggest you sell. Spirituality might be a great alternative investment, right? Right? I'm going to sell my religion stock and buy stock in spirituality. People all over the place are practicing spirituality in different ways. They're getting in touch with nature, they're healing their inner selves, they're feasting with their chosen family. And all of these are expressions of a spiritual life, but they're deeply detached from the forms and practices that you or I would identify as institutionally religious. What's more, with the drop in religiosity, there has been no corresponding obvious deterioration of society's fabric. 40 or 50 years ago, if you said if people stopped going to church, you'd say, oh my goodness, the world would fall apart. Surprisingly, four or five decades of declining participation, it's just as much fallen apart as it seems like it's always been big chunks of the population no longer wake up on sunday morning and head to church of course i got to tell you in this whole presentation i'm a little incapable of being truly objective i entered the christian ministry biz at the precise moment that the industry was starting to tank I was ordained nearly 35 years ago and at the time the Presbyterian Chicago boasted over hundred and forty congregations. Now three and a half decades later we're down to right around 80. We've whittled down the number of Presbyterian churches in the greater Chicago area but more than that during the same period nationally Presbyterian membership has been cut in more than half from about three million in 88 when I was ordained to about one and a half million in 2021 the last year for which we have numbers now please do not link those two things together Jonathan was ordained (laughs) Presbyterianism (laughs) fell apart our sibling denominations have experienced similar patterns of decline and I won't bore you with their statistics because they're every bit as uh, humbling or depressing as ours But I'll bet if you think about it, just on your own street, when you got in the car and drove to church this morning, I'll bet yours was one of very, very few cars on your block that pointed itself towards church. That wasn't the case four, five decades ago. Spiritual hunger, I believe, is a constant. I don't think one generation is more spiritually hungry than another generation what changes is the options that people consider in order to feed that hunger when i was a kid there was the old ponderosa steakhouse they were all over america remember ponderosa Um, some of you remember bonanza steakhouses others of you maybe sizzler they didn't close because folks suddenly lost all interest in eating, okay, they closed because people decided to feed themselves in other ways. And while it's tempting to romanticize the good old days when Ponderosa and Bonanza and Sizzler and Mr. Steer met our dining needs, they closed because people just stopped eating there. They realized they could get better food for the price somewhere else. And the same thing I believe applies to religious markets. Fewer people are seeing church as a useful purveyor of the things that they need to meet their spiritual hunger. And for many, church is perceived as kind of an acquired taste. You have to suffer through a lot of it before you begin to think that you like it. And that's a pretty tough sell. Except The problem with my introduction, and what I've talked about so far, is precisely one of the reasons I believe that we're declining. It's not that there isn't a business side to the corporate church. There is. We have to maintain property and pay bills. But that the rise and fall of the corporate church overshadows a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose for why I hope you are here today. In our Gospel lesson, Jesus has learned that John the Baptist has just been arrested. In response to this, Jesus pulls back from the area around Jerusalem by the Jordan River and heads up north to Galilee. Matthew sees this move as a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that the Messiah was going to be coming from the land of Zebulun, from the land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. And then Matthew goes on to say, from the words of Isaiah that we associate with Christmas Eve, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in a region in shadow of death, light has dawned. The image is that of a darkened room. People are groping about to try and figure out what's in there, who else is in there, where the exits are because they're lost in a sense of darkness they're feeling isolated they're feeling insecure they're feeling vulnerable and with the arrival of Jesus the light is turned on and they're able to see things more clearly they see things they didn't know were there before the light has shined it is clarity and that is the clarity that I think needs to be proclaimed to bring us forward. The operative question is this. Does your being part of a church bring your life more light? Does it bring greater clarity? Does it bring better insight? Or does it just introduce you to a whole other set of other shadows? Ponderosa, Bonanza, Mr. Shear, Sizzler. I must have been hungry this morning when I wrote this sermon. (laughs) The funny thing about those restaurants is they're all pretty much interchangeable. (laughs) You'd go to one and it was exactly the same lousy food as the other one. And they all closed for pretty much the same reason. People were no longer looking for an iceberg wedge salad anymore. Uh, And pre-processed, caramel-colored, seared cow flesh-like substance was no longer something they really wanted on their plates. Um, In fact, it wasn't that they no longer liked meat, it was because they actually do like meat, and eh, that wasn't necessarily on the menu. In other words, between those restaurants there was no difference, there was nothing special, an interchangeability between the menus and the experiences. They kind of lost any sense of flavor or taste, or for that matter, purpose. I remember as a kid getting in a big argument with my friend Bobby Barnmore because I was pretty convinced that Bonanza was way better than Sizzler. And he was pretty convinced that no, Sizzler was the place. And all of a sudden we sounded like Methodists and Presbyterians trying to argue whose youth program was better. You get the parallel? With our Sundays, if we're essentially doing what everybody else is doing, then our decline should be surprised to no one once everybody loses a taste for what it is that we're doing. If we're organized and interact in the same shadow structures as does the rest of the world, then the fact that we're relegated the level of nothing new, no big deal, same old, same old, what's the point? That's Paul's concern with the Corinthian church when he gets word from uh, from his messenger uh, Leo, uh, that there is arguments going on in the Corinthian church i appeal to you brothers and sisters he writes by the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose that shining difference brought by the gospel of christ supersedes, transcends, is bigger than our petty differences. This was Jesus' message when John the Baptist was arrested. John could no longer speak it because he had been arrested by Herod and thrown into prison, and so his ministry by the River Jordan had come to an end. But it's the exact same message that Jesus then picks up when he goes up to Galilee, and that message is this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near John was arrested by the kingdom of Herod and Jesus proclaims that that doesn't matter because we are now near a greater kingdom beyond Herod's kingdom, beyond Jerusalem's power, even beyond the imperial power of Rome, all of these structures that create a sense of in-groups and out-groups, all of these rulers that say, I am so-and-so's subject or another subject, the same pattern that Paul is telling the Corinthian church, some of you are making a big deal that you were baptized by Cephas, others by Apollos, others by Paul, all of these idiosyncratic connections to one another that is creating divisions among, all of them are completely superseded by a greater kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that looks down upon and equalizes us all. That in the name of Jesus, the petty squabbles cease that the realm above all realms suddenly makes the distinctions between us insignificant evaporating into irrelevance that today what we proclaim what we grab on to the reason we have come here this morning is to find a unity of kind among us that you and I are of the same kind that you and those you encounter on your block in your neighborhood in your community at work wherever you may be the proclamation is that we're all part of the Kingdom of heaven that is at hand, and as a consequence, we are of the same kind. Kind. Now, there's an interesting word. The German word Kinder, from which we get kindergarten, is the same root. That when you show up at kindergarten, all of the five and six year olds are of the same kind they're all somebody's child they're alike but we also use the word in a different way when we admonish people to be kind kindness the capacity to look at another and say you are someone's kinder too therefore we are of the same kind and so I am going to treat you with kindness as if you were me and that will guide my relationship with you as if you and I are of exactly the same kind because we are. Kindness. A kindness created by a common realm under which we all dwell. At that point, it no longer makes much difference, your brand loyalty. In fact, often it is brand loyalty that reintroduces the pettiness between us that people actually get into arguments over whether or not Bonanza is better than Sizzler. And from the outside it looks absurd. No matter how much from the inside we think it's important. The question before us is how do we meet the hunger we all share? How do we treat one another as the same kind of people. For as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. I hope that we in the days, months, weeks, hours ahead live into the vision of kindness. Amen. Please stand and join with me in the affirmation of faith, the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ. Believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body.